Welcome to Fick Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence Fick Research Team. Welcome to FX Moments, which is part of our Fick Focus podcast series. My name is Audrey Child Freeman and I am the Chief G10 Currency Strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence. Today, I will be joined by Stephen Chu, who runs our Asia FX and rate strategy. Today, I want to touch on the Chinese economic outlook, on the PBOC outlook, and, and, and the implication that it has for our currency views, uh, firstly, for Asia FX, and also, if we get enough time, I will very briefly touch on the G10 currency market and how China's situation uh, will influence the output for, for the G10 currency space. So basically this week, China macro headline have been getting a lot of attention. We've had, we started the week with underwhelming July retail sales and industrial production. And that really added onto the recent concerns that we had about the housing sector. We then had the PBOC uh, cutting interest rate by 10 basis points. Uh, and that's been, that's been generating a lot of attention. That's been um, moving the markets. Uh, I suppose for the PBOC, the timing was, was really uh, the surprise. The rate cut it's, itself wasn't a surprise. But first of all, I'm going to ask a few questions to Stephen about the outlook for the Chinese economy, about how much more easing we should expect from the PBOC, and what's the impact of all these for our currency outlook for the third quarter and for the for the end of the year? And obviously, you know, we, we also touch on, on the longer-term implication for of, of our currency call. So, Stephen, what do you think about this latest development out of China? Sure, thank you, Audrey. So um as of the August of 15, where the PBOC cut rates surprisingly. We had the offshore yuan falling near 1.8% against the US dollar quarter to date, and it has underperformed all of the Asian currencies. Now, of course, the key yuan driver to us has always been the development of the COVID resurgence in China, which disrupted its macro recovery and caused more regional lockdowns, very similar to what happened earlier this year. Now, for instance, uh, more recently, um, there were containment measures like those in Hainan, a very popular tourist spot, and also Yiwu, which is a very important light industry trade center in Zhejiang. So both of these developments could hurt consumption and even trade activities going forward. So basically, the current backdrop is very similar to what happened earlier this year. And the pressure on the yuan was due to China's lockdown development. Some may cite that the real estate doldrums um, could be the culprit, um, rightly so. And do not forget that the lockdown itself could also exacerbate the situation, just because it could forbid the workers from traveling and to follow up with the construction projects, which would then further hurt the real estate sector. Now, there were expectations that fiscal stimulus um, could help the economy, and historically it did. But then given the repeat of lockdowns now, um, the transmission of the fiscal stimulus to boost infrastructure spending, so to speak, got delayed and hence the economy was under pressure. So on the back of all of this um, negative development, the PBOC surprise market with a 10 basis point policy rate cuts 
in both the one-year MLF rate and the seven-day reverse repo on the August of 15th. Now, while this was in line with our call for the second half of the year, the timing itself was a little bit earlier than expected because we originally thought that China would want to time the cut closer to its 20th party congress in October or November. Especially, we believe that um, the PBOC may want to have more clarity regarding the Fed's rate hike path, uh, which is possibly they can obtain it uh, out of the September FOMC and then they can better time the cut. More interestingly, Chinese officials and even the latest PBOC second quarter monetary policy report have repeatedly emphasized that China want to preserve policy room at this juncture. Now, hence, um, the record came as a surprise. And it also proved that um, China's real economy could be more worrisome than what officials, including uh, ourselves as well, originally expected. So imminent action were needed to support the economy. In fact, we look at the July credit economic data, we look at, as Audrey mentioned, retail sales, industrial production, all of them were underwhelmed and also below forecast. So, um, the, yes. So, Stephen, so, sorry to interrupt. So, on the question of, of rate cuts, um, the 10, 10 basis points, is it, is it going to have much of an impact? I'm just thinking, you know, we are in a world where central banks are now moving at 50 or 75 bits. Um, I mean, with, with the, most of them are actually raising interest rate, but in terms of magnitude, in terms of, you know, trying to stimulate the economy, uh, is, is that really a game changer? And how much more do we, do we need for, for that to go through the, the, the system and for the monetary transmission channel? That's a very good question. I know we are talking about 25, 50, or even 75 basis point rate hikes these days um, when we talk about the major central banks. But for China, it has always been very different. It tends to rely less on rate cuts or rate hike um, during the and during the uh, rate hike or rate cut cycle, it usually relies on fiscal measures and also other target measures to support the economy. Now, uh, generally speaking, when China has to cut rates, it usually do it in a five basis point steps. So, ten basis point is already a somewhat surprising large magnitude, especially when we are not expecting a rate cut um, this month. So, hence. Um, it created um, the price action in the market. We saw the yuan dropping, we saw um, the bond yields dropping just on the back of that larger than expected rate cut. So as you mentioned about monetary uh, transmission, uh, it's very interesting. So every time when China cuts the policy rates, then um, the loan prime rates, uh, which is gonna uh, come out on the 22nd of August, will basically automatically uh, drop as well. So for instance, the one year LPR will drop uh, with the same magnitude, so that's 10 basis point. And the five-year LPL, which is very important uh, for mortgage rates, um, tends to drop as well. And we, furthermore, um, before further policy rate cut, we believe the next step for the PBOC is to cut the system while triple L and to release uh, liquidity to the, to the uh, interbank system. And we expect at least another 25 basis point of cuts. So all in all, um, let's uh, bring back to our third quarter view for um, Asian currencies. In general, our view of higher dollar Asia plus some consolidation played out nicely just because uh, as we saw, um, the dollar was quite resilient. Um, but of course, uh, because of what happened in China, we had relatively less luck on intra-Asia currency pick. Our working assumptions um, originally were based on further China recovery, and hence we actually liked the Yuan and we were betting for Yuan outperformance, which 
actually did work out on the first week of July, but then it turns off since then. Yeah, and, and so what what's um what's you what's the outlook for for the currency uh, later later this year and in in terms of the longer term, I know we've been bullish on 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 the Chinese currency long as a long term investment theme and I, I'm just curious to see whether you are still holding on to that view or you have a little bit more concern now. But I suppose this is mainly of a cyclical, cyclical nature, this, this slowdown that we're seeing and, and this currency underperformance. So I suppose if you believe in a stronger uh, Chinese yuan from a structural basis, that shouldn't really have changed your view. But I, I'm just curious to see what you're thinking on that. Yeah, um, that's a very correct description. So for the rest of the year, the focus is pretty straightforward. It's basically how fast China can get the latest outbreak under control, and also whether it will persist with the zero COVID policy. Now, of course, if you can get it under control relatively quickly, just like earlier this year or even in 2020, then the yuan could outperform once again, especially when we have a strong dollar backdrop, then the yuan tends to outperform the other Asian currencies. Now, otherwise, um, as we mentioned earlier, there are really little tailwinds out there if the, this uh, lockdown continues. But even when we talk about the key yuan tailwind in export growth, which has been so supportive of the currency over the last two years since the COVID outbreak, could be uh, tapered or could be challenged going forward, not because of just China alone, but because of the weakening global demand on the back of rising circulation risk. Now we see softer data um, out of the rest of the world, and that could hurt China's export as well. So uh, with monetary policy, uh, we talk about uh, further easing is possible. Now, hence, that will continue to pressure the yuan as well. So um, in general, in the very near term, we expect um, dollar China to consolidate around 6.8 and could even test the high uh, last week, which in May, at just below 6.84. Uh, if we break beyond that, then we may be looking at technical resistance uh, near 6.86 or even 6.92. But now uh, with, with all the cloudy outlook, um, I'm gonna offer some good news. So uh, firstly, if the yuan did drop too rapidly, now do expect the PBOC to offer some support, just like uh, previous cases. Now, the PBOC um, could offer support via, say, a stronger daily fixing rates or through policies like cutting the FX reserve required ratio from the 8% and to support the yuan. Now, of course, it could also lift the reserve requirement ratio uh, for uh, longing dollar China forwards uh, because uh, that could increase the cost to short the yuan far forwards and support the currency. Uh, secondly, the yuan may also be quite cheap looking at valuation. If you look at the yuan basket, the CFS basket, the yuan basket is right now just below the fair value of NEO102s. So that's also uh, one of the better news. I'm going to end with one final line. You mentioned about the longer term outlook of the yuan. Yes, we are still quite optimistic about that because of structural issues. In the longer run, we do expect China's productivity growth to um, sort of um, pick up just because of China's long-term policies in the dual circulation, also regarding common prosperity. We have written research about that. So if you're interested, do feel free to visit our terminal and look for the research. So uh, with what's going on with China, um, actually, how does it affect your space, Audrey, if I may ask? Oh, yes. I mean, for, for the G10, I was just going to touch on that uh, before we conclude. 
So on the G10 currency space, I would say that uh, if you look into the, the fourth quarter, I, I wouldn't expect China China's prospect and macro consideration to be the main driver. Uh, however, I think uh, it would be one of, of the consideration. Um, but I think the Fed policy stagflation consideration or again, you know, European geopolitics will continue to dominate uh, what happened with G10 FX in Q4. Uh, but I would, uh, I would also warn, and we've seen that very much with the price action early in the week, that if China macro concern and growth concern come back, uh, and the, I think it will probably add on to the bearish case for, for the euro, simply because of the greater European exposure to the Chinese economy compared to the US. And also the other obvious trade that will come is commodity FX uh, underperformance uh, with the Aussie dollar and to, and to some extent the Kiwi dollar as well, looking particularly uh, vulnerable. Now, I suspect uh, adding on to the view that we've kind of been flagging on Aussie CAD downside as a, as a nice way to, to play that proxy in the short term anyway. But uh, yeah, so thank you so much for, for that insight, Stephen. Uh, very, very well timed given uh, what we've had uh, out of China this week. We'll see what happens on August 22nd. Uh, and that brings to the conclusion of our FX Moment podcasts. If you have any question on what we discussed today, please reach out to Stephen or to myself. And as a reminder, I would also say that you can find our research on the BI Curve page on the terminal. And I hope you found the, the podcast interesting and we look forward to speaking again very soon. And until next time, goodbye. Thank you.